Welcome to Lunch and Unlearn. In today's episode, Jess and I look back at the incredible life and career of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. We discuss how legacy shapes our future, and we celebrate the good we are observing, especially as it relates to women's equality. To wrap up our time together for our featured follow, we will share with you an organization that was near and dear to Ruth. And finally, we will leave you with a collective challenge to honor the legacy of RBG in the week ahead. Let's grab some lunch and get ready to unlearn together. In the midst of a pandemic, a black revolution and a white awakening are happening. Diversity, equity, and inclusion educators, Brianna Clover and Dr. Jessica Petty, create brave spaces for candid conversations on race equity, focusing specifically on its intersection with ableism, sexism, sexual orientation, and gender identity, all from the unique perspective of a black woman and a white woman. I'm Brianna Clover. And I'm Dr. Jessica Petty. In today's episode, Jess and I take a look back at the incredible life and career of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. We discuss how legacy shapes our future and celebrate the good we're observing, especially as it relates to women's equality. Bri, as you and I were texting back and forth the night of RBG's death, I know we both felt just an immense sadness. Mm-hmm. She honestly felt incredibly invincible to me. Like she was up so early every day, spending time with her trainer. I know. I can still see her lifting her weights and doing her planks and all of that with a look of confidence and determination. I mean, I'm not up every morning doing planks and lifting (laughs) weights. I know. Yeah. I mean, she just, she seemed, you know, just like she would always be with us. Yeah. And she was just such a, such a strong force and we're certainly a better society and country because of her service. And since our last episode, when we talked about, you know, the importance of love to overcome. Mm-hmm. I've also continued to really consider how appreciation manifests in my life. I've been like incredibly intentional this week to actually use the word appreciation. Like, you know, I appreciate that I get to live so close to a park. So I have a place to exercise and I appreciate this beautiful fall weather, you know, just really being intentional. And when I think about Justice Ginsburg and the idea of appreciation, which is basically love without expectations, it feels like that her work was just like the essential model of that definition of appreciation. She loved our country and believed in the rights of men and women to simply be treated as people. And that applies to, you know, the expectations and rights and protections for both genders. And she did all of that work without any expectations. She loved people and devoted her life to the hard work of ensuring equity for all. I mean, what an incredible example of love and appreciation for humanity. Absolutely. I totally agree. And just all of that and the sense of humility that she always had. Amazing. I'd love to spend a few minutes here revisiting some of the incredible events of her life And there was a podcast that you had actually sent me that I found really interesting. I haven't gotten through all of it, but there were some, I learned a lot of information and facts about her life that I didn't know before. And so I've spent this weekend really just thinking back and, and honoring that legacy of hers. And two of them that stuck out to me, of course, we all know of RBG's contribution to ending gender discrimination, incredible work that she's done, but her legacy goes beyond that. And throughout her 60-year career, the work she did to end gender discrimination was truly grounded in an inclusive definition of equality. And in this podcast I listened to, um, 
as an attorney, I didn't know this, that RBG drew from the foundational racial equality theories of black civil rights activist, Polly Murray. And I didn't, I, I didn't realize that. And I was, mm-hmm. that just made me feel good. I learned one of her most enduring lines from her first argument before the Supreme Court is a quote from white abolitionist and suffragist Sarah Grimke. I ask no favor for my sex. All I ask of our brethren is that they take their feet off our necks. Phew. Can you just yeah. imagine her standing up and, and quoting that? Like, it's amazing. Yeah. Also, RBG graduated at the very top of her law school class at Harvard, and one of her very senior professors recommended her for a clerkship with Justice Felix Frankfurter on the Supreme Court. And Justice Frankfurter work, wrote back and said, while she looks good on paper, he can't have a woman in his chambers. And following that... A missed opportunity. She took a job in Sweden, actually. And what she noticed while there was how egalitarian of a society Sweden was. For example, in the early 60s, 5% of law students were women in the US, while 20% of law students were women in Sweden. And she had to, as part of her project, write a volume in the Swedish civil justice system for which she had to learn Swedish. Hello. <laughs> like, wow. That's and, amazing. Uh, Yes. But most fascinating, I think, is how her experience in Sweden likely had a profound impact on her challenging the U.S. society and the inequality of women during her many years once she returned back to the U.S. And she continued to do such amazing work and was you know, appointed to be a judge. And then you fast forward to when Bill Clinton nominated her for the Associate Justice of the Supreme Court. I, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, do solemnly swear. I, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And honestly, at the beginning of that um, time on the Supreme Court, you know, she really she was not in the mainstream. People didn't know who she was the way we do today. Mm-hmm. And she really began to find her voice in dissent, which was so interesting to me. And while she had great relationships with, um, you know, so many of the people on the bench, she really started to step into her own when she started writing these really prolific dissents and and really putting the pieces together of how these decisions impact our society as a whole and the responsibilities that our government has to make sure that that decisions that impact people have to be scrutinized and taken very seriously. And while the court is obviously a big say in that, there's a huge responsibility within all branches of government to be protectors. And she really supported that and almost called people out sometimes when she felt they needed Mm -hmm. to. So I thought that was really interesting that her voice and dissent is really one of the things that made her more notable and, and sort of elevated her within the mainstream. And so as we watch the world play tribute to her life, I now think about her legacy. Yeah. And what a, you know, a big word, we throw that around, but Mm -hmm. often when you think about legacy, it's something that is left behind after a person has passed 
But legacy is more to me about sharing what you have learned, not just what you've earned. So it's not just passing on a property, but it's more the passing down of values over Mm -hmm. valuables. And really material wealth is only a small fraction of legacy. I love that, Jess. And it reminds me of a beautiful post that has gone viral on Facebook. It was written by Molly Conway, and she generously shared with us a lesson in Jewish tradition. And she wraps up her lesson with this simple yet profound call to action. And she says, quote, may her memory be for blessing. May her memory be for revolution. May we become a credit to her name, end quote. So just in essence, RBG's legacy is now our responsibility. 100%. Absolutely. Um, You also sent me that great article from Forbes that you referenced earlier. And a reflection from Kimberly Crenshaw really hit home with me. And she says this, I guess the question that all of us face in the presence of towering change agents like Justice Ginsburg is, do we measure up? In this current moment of reflection and activation, that is the question for all of us, the entire industry of social justice thinkers, activists, advocates, allies, academics who have inherited the legacy of RBG and accomplices like Polly Murray have left for us. Are we really up to the challenge of doing more than passing honorific words over her deeds? And can we carry the great weight of figuring out how to steer our society back from the brink to find a, a clear pathway to the democracy that we might have had if the gender and race barriers that RBG and others faced had crumbled more fully? Do we measure up? Hmm. Powerful. Mm-hmm. And while that feels like an overwhelming responsibility, there are so many small things we can do to create collective change and movement. And I think as humans, it's really natural for us to immediately think um, when we think about how to be better advocates and allies is what can I do to take action? What can I do? Do, do, do. Mm -hmm. And I just, I feel like it's important for us to not underestimate the power and the importance of that inner work of learning, just like we did today for this episode, learning the legacy that RBG has left behind, learning our history, really understanding that full knowledge of our country and the history and what the great work that has come before us, but what still needs to be done. And as well as taking time to think introspectively of, you know, interrogating our own thoughts and our beliefs being raised in in the U.S. And I think it's only then that we can discuss how do we fully embody advocacy and allyship and remove that pressure from us that we all have to be (laughs) RBGs. How can we find within ourselves our own strengths and our own gifts to really do the work of advocacy and allyship? I think that's so important. I think several things that you said there hit home for me. And I think that's a a great connector point for the two of us coming together is that we both really value history and educating ourselves uh, Mm -hmm. before we launch into opinion. (laughs) And we try to be very careful about not running off of opinion or emotion, but really making sure that we're taking that time, one, to educate ourselves, and then two, to do the introspective work. Because all these things are embedded inside of us, whether we like it or not. So taking the time to identify that can be difficult and it takes time. So you have to do that before you can get to action. And then I 
I think the last thing I was thinking when you were saying that is I've been thinking a lot personally about the small things in life. Um, I think part of the pandemic and slowing down is making me appreciate small things. So sitting around the dinner table more often or having more time to take walks in nature and things like that. And I think that applies to our work. You know, we can't all be Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, right? Right. But we can all do small things that collectively have a big impact and can start to really break down even more barriers. And in particular, the ones that are harder for us to see or to talk about. So I think having these conversations, and I know you've said this before on past episodes, is around, you know, planting seeds. So just being a seed planter and just doing the small things, to me, that's, it's not only enough, like, it's beautiful. That's also just as great to me. Yes. It's like progress over perfection, right? Yeah. Right. So to build upon the work done by RBG, um, do you want to just maybe round out our conversation today by celebrating the positive advancements for women, thanks to her dedication and commitment to the work? So the first one here, obtain a mortgage without a male co-signer. I know. And I know, I remember us talking about that um, when we talked about the 100th year or the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment, the right to vote. And that just blows my mind. I know, <laughs> that, right? That was a thing. <laughs> and and similar, like along the, at the same time, that also meant that you couldn't open a checking account without a male co-signer, which, I mean, what did a woman do with her money? I know, seriously, it's just, it's unbelievable or unimaginable. Yet, I think it was you who mentioned just earlier that this wasn't that long ago. Mm -hmm. Another one um, was starting a business. Now women can start a business without a male co-signer. And that involves also obtaining a business loan without a male co-signer, which that wasn't until 1988, which thank you, Ruth. Yes, thank you, RBG. (laughs) For for standing (laughs) up for that because that is amazing. Amazing to me. Agreed. Wholeheartedly agree. Another one we can thank RBG for is obtaining a job without gender-based discrimination. Which she herself experienced when she was pregnant with her first child. And because she had been offered a position with higher visibility, once they found out she was pregnant, they said, no, no, you have to go do this other job, which was beneath her skill set. But because Mm. women could not be seen pregnant, that was what she was relegated to. Crazy to imagine, really. Which is really insane. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So also, Ruth, thank you for fighting for that so that women can obtain and retain employment while they're pregnant. Yes. And along similar lines, obtain birth control without having to obtain our husband's permission. Another great thing. Thank you for fighting for that. (laughs) (laughs) And then I think, too, just thinking about how things were applied to women and how there was this sort of bias that well, the, the man is making the money, then they're the ones that should get the higher salary. And so she also, along that same line, fought against unfair pension benefits because men were given higher benefits. And she said, no, that's that should not be the case. Equal for men and women, equal protections for both. Yes. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, RBG. Yeah. <laughs> And those are not small things. No, not at all. And things like so many of those I take for granted now. Right. You know, absolutely. And that has been the biggest lesson for me as I reflect back and learn more about the notorious RBG and the work that she did. I'm just so grateful and appreciative. 
So here yeah. we go, bringing it full circle now. And Jess, while we're all really sad that RBG is no longer with us, can you share with us some good that has given you comfort and encouragement? This whole series is built around good news, good news in spite of what's happening around us. So mm-hmm. let's think about that. And obviously, you know, Justice Ginsburg is good news because she was here and because she had such a long life and career and her legacy really is something that we can all carry forward. And so much of the foundation that she laid has allowed things to continue to progress. So in the past year, we've seen two female NASA astronauts, Jessica Meir and Christina Cook, took part in the first all-women spacewalk this past October when they ventured out onto the International Space Station to replace a power controller. And it's funny because earlier a planned all-women spacewalk had to be postponed when NASA realized that they didn't have the two appropriately sized spacesuits for women, Hmm. which is indicative of this sort of legacy of sexism that women in the STEM field face. So bravo to those two for being the first two and really giving young girls everywhere an example to look up to. Yeah. Another area where we've traditionally seen men recognized is the Nobel Peace Prize. But in this past year, Esther DeFleu won the Nobel Prize in economics, and she became only the second woman to win the award, but she's also the youngest, which is pretty phenomenal. Yeah. And then thinking more globally, even there are three countries in the last year that have made significant progress towards ending child marriage, which is just a major ethical issue for girls around the world. And in Egypt, Tanzania, and Indonesia, bans on child marriage are now in effect And it's just further protections for girls so that their futures are protected and that they can continue to have the rights to an education, which influences their economic outcomes and their safety in general. Mm -hmm. So those are all pieces of good news, I think, and things for us to celebrate and to recognize and just to continue to push for more. Love sharing this conversation with you, and I'm just so thankful that we can share this brave space together. Me too, Jess. We are learning so much from others that in each episode, we want to feature a thought leader or resource that is impactful to us, and this week in particular to Justice Ginsburg. So the ACLU dares to create a more perfect union beyond one person, party, or side. Their mission is to realize this promise of the United States Constitution for all and expand the reach of its guarantees. And that was something that Justice Ginsburg fought for alongside the ACLU and throughout her career. So you can learn more at ACLU.org or you can find them on your favorite social media channels. After listening to this episode, whether on your own or with your work teams, family, or friends, we'd like to leave you with a challenge. Although we can't all have the same level of impact as RBG, together our combined efforts can become notoriously big. Name one thing you can do this week to make an impact for equality. Write it on a sticky note, add it to your calendar, and maybe even tell a friend and ask them to hold you accountable. Jess has committed to connect with a woman doing good work every day over the next week to see how she can be an advocate. And I am going to be facilitating an assessment and analysis with the local faith community to help them engage in anti-racist work internally and externally with the communities they serve. 
we are all stewards of the RBG legacy. As we embark on this journey of unlearning, we are so thankful that you're here. We are excited to continue unpacking this conversation around race equity and intersectionality together. Stay connected with us. Visit our website at luncheonunlearn.com and subscribe to our newsletter. You can also follow us on Instagram at Lunch and Unlearn and Facebook at Lunch and Unlearn. We hope you'll grab lunch with us again and join us for more brave conversations next time. 